What's up, bar folks? For 40 years, Ligonier Ministries Table Talk has been a valid resource for the body of Christ. With thousands of subscribers all over the U.S., Ligonier Ministries has partnered with the Bar Podcast to bring you 15 months of this magazine for the price of 12. For $23, you get 15 issues of the Table Talk magazine delivered to your door, chock full of articles and devotions. To get your subscription, go to thebarpodcast.com forward slash table talk to get those 15 issues for only $23. That's right, the bar podcast forward slash table talk. Go now. Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week to week cultural apologetics, as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. Welcome back. Another edition of the Just Thinking Podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What do you know there, Omaha? What's going on, my man? You doing all right tonight? Yeah, I'm doing good for a Monday. Uh, busy day at work. Had a full day at work, which is nothing new uh, for me. Uh, and I think, man, I don't know. Hey, first, do you have a day job? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a, I've got a pretty in-depth day job most of the time. Yeah. All right. Cool. Cool, man. Yeah. Cause I, I, yeah, you know, it's like I've mentioned many, many times before you and I've never <laughs> met in person. So there's, there's things about one another that we still don't know, which kind of, right. I mean, we're, we're, this is, this is, this is episode 31, man. Yep. Yeah, we we still figuring it out, man. We're still figuring it out, which is awesome. I think that yeah. was keeps the, each episode a little bit fresh, man. There's yeah. things about each other that we don't know that we kind of discover yeah. as as each week comes comes and goes. But that that's good, man. Nothing wrong with that at all. The cool the cool thing the cool thing about it is as the listeners have kind of kind of walked through some things with us, it's like they're getting to know us as well as we get to know one another and, and unpack some things. And they're kind of along for the ride. The kind of messages I get in the inbox, I can tell kind of which episode they've landed on yeah. based yeah. upon maybe some of the comments that they've shared or maybe yeah. something you've said in just toward me or me toward you or that yeah. kind of thing. So that's kind of been cool. Yeah. They, uh, they, they're growing up with us in a way right? right. Uh, because, you know, we're trying to mature in, uh, in this sort of, uh, endeavor each week trying to get right. better trying to honor right. the lord with uh quality content and conversation and mm-hmm. i think our listeners are growing uh with us so we're, yeah. we're bringing them right along with us and we like we do every week man we want to give a shout out to the listeners and say hey thanks for hanging in there with us absolutely um, praying for us encouraging us and just hanging in there with us along this uh this journey so uh speaking of unpacking um we've got an issue to unpack uh in this episode that's yeah. uh Rather serious one. I think mm-hmm. most of the topics we deal with, uh, I would classify as rather serious. You know, we yes. treat them with uh, gospel seriousness. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this topic's a little bit different. I think this one is uh, top shelf. I mean, with respect to uh, giving serious treatment, giving mm-hmm. respectful treatment to it, and that's the uh, that's the issue of abortion. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's definitely one that is that is sobering. Uh, that that is something that that causes one pause and and reflection and 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 it speaks to uh, the the issue really at the heart, which is the Imago Day. And so um, that that's 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 primary. I think I think that we need to keep that in our in the primary view. 
uh, that man, we're, we're talking about the very essence of, of the human being created in the image of God. And so mm-hmm. it is with that level of seriousness uh, that, that you do have to kind of soberly, mm-hmm. um, you know, think about these kinds of issues and talk about it. So, yeah. Yeah. And speaking of how serious this issue is, uh, we want to put a bit of a disclaimer. We've never done this. Mm-hmm in the 31 now episodes of the just thinking podcast that we've done, but given the subject matter that we're going to be dealing with tonight, although we are going to be tackling it from a gospel centered uh, perspective, as we always do, regardless of the topic, but we do want to put a disclaimer out there that parental discretion is advised in listening to this episode. So parental discretion is advised and listen yeah. to this episode. Uh, we're going to keep it, uh, clean as we always do. So don't, don't think uh, that because we have that disclaimer attached to this episode, that it's anything negative. However, we do that with respect to uh, young children who may be exposed to this episode. If you're listening out in the open with no headphones or earbuds or anything like that, we want to make sure that the audience is mature enough to receive and uh, digest and compartmentalize what we're going to be talking about in this episode, absolutely very uh, sensitive and serious issues. So if you have young children uh, in the area right now, uh, we respectfully ask that you either make sure they're not within uh, listening range, or you may want to pause this episode and pick it up again when you can perhaps listen in private or when there are more mature uh, young people around. Absolutely. It just provides an opportunity for, for a parent to, to listen through the content understand it for what it's worth and then and then digest it in such a way that as they begin to present it uh to their 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 you know young one that's there in the home with them they do so at an age appropriate level so exactly exactly and uh just one last sort of housekeeping note uh for those of you who listen to the just thinking podcast on urban family talk uh on saturday afternoons from noon to 1 eastern uh, you're going to get the regular uh, length version that you're used to hearing, which usually is around 54 minutes or so, given commercials and everything. But we want to let you know that there's going to be an extended version of this episode available uh, on the podcast website website at thebarpodcast.com slash JT. Mm. That's thebarpodcast.com slash JT, as well as on Apple iTunes and uh, Android mm-hmm. as well. So if you subscribe to our podcast, you're going to get an extended length episode uh, of the just thinking podcast, because we feel that we need to do that in order to give justice to this topic. We don't want to shortcut, right? We don't want to shortcut it. Uh, and we can't say how long the episode is going to be, but it will be an extended version when this episode is released on Wednesday, June 6th. So there'll be the urban family talk version for that, uh, for that medium. And then if you subscribe to us on either of those other uh, outlets or at the bar podcast.com slash JT, you will get the full extended version of this, uh, this dialogue. Mm. Okay, so just wanted to put that out there. So, uh, Virgil, if you're ready to rock, man, we can go and let's do it, man. Let's do it. Well, you sent a you know a couple of 
things over just based upon the, the show and what you wanted to talk about. Uh, this was this subject A is not foreign to us, either of us. Uh, one, you've written about it extensively on on the uh, just thinking dot me. So if you're if you're not familiar with with Daryl's work. Uh, his, his blog. Uh, you need to you need to get on it. You need to be on top of it. Uh, go check him out at justthinking.me and uh, just written on the subject uh, in the past around abortion and the like. Uh, I do some work as as uh, as some of you who've been with us for a while know that that from time to time uh, I'm I'm on the sidewalk uh, in front of abortion clinics uh, pleading for the lives of of those who are unborn. And uh, with the hope that someone will hear two things. One, that there is another choice uh, besides the murder of of innocence, the murder of a a child in the womb. And then two, I want to also proclaim the the message of the gospel. And so uh, those are things that are there. So so I I set that up just to say that this is not something new to us, either of us, uh, in the way of material or information or content. But I know what sparked it uh, for for, for Daryl in particular and and, and for myself as well uh, was seeing what actually took place uh, on the the referendum that took place uh, in Ireland uh, as they voted as they voted overwhelmingly to to legalize abortion. What what are your thoughts, Daryl? You know, Verge, uh, I'm going to share my thoughts on that uh, and kind of sort of what was the impetus for us to be dealing with this topic at this time. In just a second, but as an aside, uh, and I don't know if you got the same vibe as I did, Verge, li- leading up to this, uh, you know, to us recording this episode. But I have to say, for me anyway, just speaking for myself, this episode seems somewhat unique in that here we have two black men mm. who are reformed, which is rare enough in, in itself. Mm-hmm. But here we have two black Christian black reformed Christian men talking about abortion. Mm. Now that's a subject I would say, which for far too long has been treated as an issue reserved predominantly for women to discuss. Right. And that's why I kind of say this episode is somewhat unique in that sense. And that's sad. Mm -hmm. It should not have that sort of unique rarefied air sort of, uh, tenor to it mm. because this is an issue for every single Christian male, female, boy or girl mm. so I want to sort of preface our commentary with that with the awareness that as rare as it is for two black Christian reformed men to be talking about this issue ourselves let's hope and i'm not saying this podcast is going to launch into a new movement where men are becoming more open to dialogue about this issue of abortion but at the same time we have to acknowledge that not enough men are talking about this that's good that's good not enough christian men are out there on the front lines talking about it now i'm not putting the brothers who are listening to this up against the work you've been doing for years in abortion clinic ministry. Uh, I happen to serve on the board of directors of a local pregnancy center here Mm. in Atlanta. So 
each of us has our calling with that regard. So I'm not sure. comparing or contrasting at all, but it is somewhat sad and unfortunate that not more Christian men are speaking openly about this issue. Mm. Uh, so you kind of alluded to a little bit earlier verse before you handed it over to me, but I want to hand it back over to you, man. And can you share a little bit more detail with the listeners about how it came to be that you have such an affinity for this particular topic. Wow. Well, I appreciate you letting me do that, man. I, it was, uh, it was years ago. I got exposed to, uh, this issue, um, for me at the point at which I really started watching some of, uh, some, some, some street evangelism. I was really, I really felt the Lord leading me to, to do something more than just a sit in the pew that, that it was to go out uh, and be a voice, uh, in in the public air, and so as I began to look for people in my own area that were doing that, I did not find that. So again, it would lead me to YouTube and a guy by the name of Tony Miano. Yeah, and uh, Tony is a Tony's a b- become a dear brother and friend uh, of mine. I've had a chance to spend some time with him and learn from him, and uh, that's been a, that's been an absolute joy. But I, I, w- I watched a video of him in front of an abortion clinic alone. And this was the very first time, and I'm sad to say it, this was the first time I'd even been exposed to the issue of mm-hmm. abortion. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I watched him in front of that that um, that abortion clinic. Really, it was just a video of him standing there, and, and he kind of narrated uh, the loneliness of that ministry, what that was about, and, uh, and, and the fact that there were, there were babies that were being murdered. Uh, and I never, I never, I think the putting that, he had a sign that said babies are murdered here and, and putting wow. those words on a sign and standing in front of the clinic where it was taking place was jaw dropping to me. Yeah. Um, it, it was, it was mind boggling to me that I, that a, this was the first time I'd been exposed to it and B that there was someone who was out there that was doing something about it. Now, again, apart from any real training in this man, my heart leaped. I, I just felt like well, I, I need to find out where the abortion clinic is in my town and what I need to mm-hmm. do. The more, the more, Daryl, that I began to study this and research this and understand the numbers of people, uh, numbers of, of babies that, that were murdered on a daily basis, more than 3,000 uh, every day is a, is a 9-11 uh, for, for a child in the womb. I, I, yeah. was, I, I was jaw-dropped. I add to that um, the, the, the impact of it, of, of, it, of it having greater impact in, in, in our own ethnicity, uh, when mm-hmm. you've got people promoting ideas like Black Lives Matter and, and mm-hmm. other things, uh, at, at the time, that was just a that was a part of the puzzle for me. That was a part of the picture for me to know that I needed to do something. And so, man, this had to be, gosh, now five, six years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I grabbed I grabbed my my young daughter uh, of 13 and just said, hey, listen, dad's going to go and stand in front of the abortion clinic. Would you go you know, with me? And uh, my wife was thinking, what in the world are you doing? And uh, and, th- and through much prayer, we just began standing in front of an abortion clinic, uh, pleading for the lives of of those who who would go inside. And we've been doing that uh, I, I, for for about the first two or three years. I did that almost every single weekend. Every weekend wow. we would go and and just uh, plead for the lives of the unborn. Now, just from a standpoint of of schedule, at least one weekend or one one either Friday and or Saturday uh, a month, I'm in front of an abortion clinic trying to do the exact same thing. Man, that uh, that's just fascinating to me because mm-hmm. as I sort of mentioned a second ago, you know, when it comes to this issue of abortion, I think this is an issue that every Christian, every born again, every truly born again 
man, woman, boy, and girl, this is an issue for you to some degree with respect to utilizing your spiritual gifts to address this and, and, and discuss this and act on this. You've been out literally on the street for years yeah, uh, at abortion clinics on a regular basis. My calling is somewhat in the background in a different way. Like you alluded mm-hmm. to earlier, I've written on this. Sure. Uh, I serve on the board of a pregnancy center. Uh, so like I say, each of us has our calling, but I would encourage uh, folks uh, to your suggestion earlier, Verge. I wrote an article for my blog and I titled it abortion, evil, and the sovereignty of God. Mm. Abortion, evil, and the sovereignty of God. Just go out to just thinking that me uh, in the search window in the upper right hand corner, just type in abortion and hit enter and you'll see that blog article uh, pop up. I would encourage folks to go out there and read that. I was convicted to write that piece because invariably when you bring up the issue of abortion, you're going to be confronted with the what ifs, right? Yeah, you are. With the scenarios of the what ifs. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, Daryl, what about rape? Right. What about incest? What about the life of the mother? Right. All the hypothetical scenarios. uh, And it is with those scenarios and those hypotheticals in mind that I inculcated within that article uh, a discussion around the sovereignty of God. Mm. Now, unless you have unless the Holy spirit has so worked in your heart to where you can accept that the sovereignty of God often allows for evil in the world. Mm -hmm. The article is going to be tough for you to handle. Right. Right. Uh, But I think of a text like Ecclesiastes seven 14 that says that in the day of prosperity, be happy, but in the day of adversity, consider that the Lord has made the one as well as the other. Mm. Uh, So the sovereignty of God is a doctrine that can, can be a hard pill to swallow. I acknowledge that. Especially on this issue. Especially on this issue here. Right. Especially on this issue here. So I just encourage folks to go out to the blog, check out the article, Abortion, Evil, and the Sovereignty of God, Mm-hmm. And I pray that you'll find that after reading that, that you'll find that helpful uh, to some degree. Mm-hmm. But Virg, I wanted you to share because because you're you're the you're the first brother, and you may be the only brother who I know of that's mm-hmm. that's literally, regularly, consistently on the front lines of this issue, trying to mm-hmm. save lives. Yeah. Uh, so I thought it was important for folks to hear your background and how you have a legitimate affinity for this issue. And that we're not just teeing the subject up just because it happens to be in the news. Right. Right. Okay. So I wanted to, I wanted to make that clear. Yeah. I appreciate that. But one of the reasons we're here is because on May 25th, 2018, just last week, as we're recording this episode, the citizens of the Republic of Ireland voted to repeal the eighth amendment to his constitution and legalize abortion. Mm. Now the eighth amendment, which in the 
Ireland Constitution is Article 40.3.3, originally adopted in 1983, recognized, and I quote, this is a verbiage from that amendment, it recognized, quote, the unborn as having a right to life equal to that of the mother. As such, abortions can only be legally conducted in Ireland Mm. if they occur as the result of a medical intervention performed to save the life of the pregnant woman, including risk from suicide, unquote. Mm. Now, I need to point out here that there are essentially two Irelands. Okay. <laughs> there, the, the, island of, the island of Ireland, the country of Ireland, is divided mm. into two separate jurisdictions. Mm. There's the Republic of Ireland, and then there's Northern Ireland. Mm. Okay. The Republic of Ireland is an independent nation commonly referred to just as Ireland while Northern Ireland is part of the UK. So Northern Ireland is part of the United Kingdom. The Republican Republic of Ireland is an in, totally independent sovereign nation. So just to be clear, it is a Republic of Ireland that voted to legalize abortion by uh, uh, re- refuting Repeal. or Repeal. turning over repealing amendment yeah. eight. Yeah. All right. So, now, in preparing for this episode, I not only read several articles on the results of the referendum to repeal the Eighth Amendment, but also on what were some of the motives of those who voted in favor of repealing that amendment. And one article I came across, Verge, was from the New York Times. It was a piece dated May 26, 2018 which was only one day after the referendum passed. The headline of the article was this. It says, Ireland votes to end abortion ban in rebuke to Catholic conservatism. Interesting. New York Times, May 26, 2018. Ireland votes to end abortion ban in rebuke to Catholic conservatism. Now, an excerpt from the article reads as follows. Quote, what we have seen today really is a culmination of a quiet revolution that's been taking place in Ireland for the past 10 or 20 years. Prime Minister Leo Varadkar said in a counting center in Dublin before the results of Friday's vote were released, giving an early indication of the final outcome. Varadkar said this, this has been a great exercise in democracy and the people have spoken and the people have said we want a modern constitution for a modern country mm. and that the, the, the women and that we trust the women that we respect them to make the right decision and the right choices about their own health care. Unquote. Leo Varadkar, who's a prime minister of the Republic of Ireland said, we want a modern constitution for a modern country and that they trust women to make the right decision and the right choices about their own health care. Now, contrast that logic, contrast the logic of Mr. Varadkar, who argues that legalizing abortion is about trusting women to make the right decisions about their own health care. Mm-hmm. Contrast that logic with that of a woman named Judy Donnelly, who was quoted in another New York Times article just days before Mm -hmm. the vote to repeal Amendment 8. 
That article reads thus, quote, when it comes to the Roman Catholic Church, Judy Donnelly has been something of a rebel over the years. Like much of Ireland, she supported contraception, voted in a referendum to legalize divorce, and three years ago backed same-sex marriage. That last vote was joyously celebrated around the country and the world, placing Ireland, which elected its first gay prime minister last year, at the vanguard of what many called a social revolution. Hmm. But when it comes to the historic decision on legalizing abortion, which will be put to the nation on Friday, remember this article was written a few days before the referendum. Right. But when it comes to the historic decision on legalizing abortion, which will be put on put to the nation on Friday, Ms. Donnelly says she will vote no. Now, let me take a break here from the quote. Ms. Donnelly said now she's already announced that she voted for. She voted to legalize divorce, same-sex marriage, and she also voted for Ireland's first gay prime minister. But when it comes to this abortion referendum, she's going to vote no on the repeal. Okay? She says she will vote no, as will enough of her countrymen and women, including lawmakers across the political divide, to throw the referendum result into doubt. Polls for the May 25th vote have narrowed so tightly in recent weeks that yes and no campaigners are not able to confidently predict a victory. Now, listen to what Ms. how Ms. Donnelly rationalizes her support to not overturn Amendment 8. Right. She wants to keep abortion uh, illegal. Illegal, she right. She wants to keep abortion illegal. But at the same time, she voted for divorce, legalization of divorce, legalization of contraception, the legalization of same-sex marriage, and she also voted for the first gay prime minister in the history of the country of Ireland. Her rationale for not voting to legalize abortion is this, quote, Ms. Donnelly said this, quote, it's just not the same, said Ms. Donnelly, 46, who works in a pub in Carrick to Hill. She says it's just not the same. It's about values and morals, unquote. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So vote, voting, so, so according to Prime Minister Varadkar, legalizing abortion is about health care. And according to Miss Judy Donnelly, voting to legalize abortion is about values and morals. Right. Whereas voting to legalize divorce, same-sex marriage, and electing the country's first gay prime minister were not about values and morals, but advancing a social revolution. Yeah. Okay. Now, having said that, I have a question for Prime Minister Varadkar. What is so, quote unquote, modern, to use his words? Right. What is so modern about your nation legalizing the murder of unborn children? Likewise, I have a question for Miss Judy Donnelly. And it's this, by what standard is divorce, homosexuality, and homosexual marriage not matters of morality, but abortion is? Right, right. Every, 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 every standard with regard to both of those individuals is completely arbitrary. Right. It's completely subjective. <laughs> right. So, first, given your years in abortion clinic ministry, 
you know, I'm sure you've heard all these arguments before. Yep. Yep. That abortion is about quote unquote women's health and quote unquote, a woman's right to do what she pleases with her own body. Right. But, but the argument posed by prime minister Varadkar in Ireland that legalizing abortion is about Ireland having a modern constitution mm-hmm. for a modern country. I mean, that was a new one on me. I, I, I hadn't, I hadn't heard, I hadn't heard that one. The, 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 the issue of, of, you know, a, a woman's, a, a, the issue of healthcare um, is, is, is a misnomer. I mean, it's a, it's a mind boggling. I mean, it's a red herring. There's, there's nothing, there's nothing about health involved. We're actually murdering, a human being creating the image of God in the womb. Uh, the, the woman's body, this is a separate body uh, than mm-hmm. hers with, mm-hmm. with, with unique DNA. Mm-hmm. No, no woman has four arms, four mm-hmm. legs, mm-hmm. two hearts, mm-hmm. two heads. This is, you're, you're crushing the skull of another individual created in the image of God in the womb. So this is not, a, this is not about health care. This is not about safety. This is not about the, the woman's own body i mean there's i I, i've heard this argument so many times it's so simple and easy to refute uh given given proper thought processes of logic it's Mm -hmm. it's it's ridiculous the idea of of a of a modern i mean what's the what's it based upon what standard right murder of an individual right the the free murder of another human being a modern idea it's Mm -hmm. not as draconian it's, right. it's, it's backwards. It, it's right. a, it's a walk back into the stone ages. I mean, that, that yeah. this is, this is not <laughs> that, that that's a foolish thought process, but again, again, it gets, it gets traction in, in, a, in the modern day culture we live in. Well, you know, and I appreciate you saying that verge and I like how you are, you keep hammering home that this is about unborn children who are created in the image of God. Mm-hmm. So I want our listeners to be clear. We're not going to politicize this issue. Okay. We're not here to take sides with respect to right versus left and opinion. That's good. We are here like we are every week by God's grace. And we're going to open the word of God and see what the word of God says about this. So with respect to politics, I really couldn't care. I couldn't care less Mm -hmm. what any political party or political platform or, or, or political posturing has to say Bro, I, we, what, what, what you're saying needs to be heard in the ear of every Christian who's listening, that this is not a political issue. This is a theological issue. Right. This is, right. this, this is, this is a theological issue. This is, this goes to the core of who we are as human beings. I mean, that's, that's where the argument actually needs that. that that's the place at which we need to make this argument. Exactly right. Verge. I mean, I was going to make that exact same point. Abortion is theological. It's not mm-hmm. biological. There you go. Abortion is theological. You know what? And I'm going to argue that point as we go through this episode. So you listeners just hang in there with us. Like we said at the top, this is going to be an extended episode of the Just Thinking Podcast. We're going to take our time here. Okay. Uh, so we want to open the word of God and see what the word of God says about this. Uh, you know, I, I won't make apologies for that. I just want to make clear, we're not going to politicize this issue because as you said, Virgil, it's not a political issue. It's a theological issue first and foremost, and everything else ancillary to that mm-hmm. is secondary with, uh, to what the word of God says. So Absolutely. where I want to start is with one of the ordinances mandated by God subsequent to 
his creating man in his image, male and female, is that, and that ordinance is that they would be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay. Mm-hmm. We see that in Genesis 1 28. Genesis 1 28 reads, God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Okay. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Now, as an aside, I just want to mention real quickly, the fact that God commanded mankind to fill the earth, that should assuage any concerns anyone might have about the earth ever being overpopulated. Okay. God gave a command that we are to fill the earth. Okay. So the earth on which we live is a big earth. And it was created by a big God and it will remain big enough to handle whatever number of people populated until the day Christ returns. Okay. So I want to point that out in Genesis one twenty eight, where God says we are to fill the earth. If you're concerned about overpopulation, don't be, that's not going to be a problem. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, so I want to mention that as an aside. Now, not to mention that the scriptures clearly established that this, so, so the scriptures clearly established that this present earth will be in existence when Christ comes back. Okay. So no concerns about overpopulation. We see that in revelation one, seven behold, he is coming with the clouds and every eye will see him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn over him. Okay. So relax. The earth's not going anywhere before Christ comes back. Now back to Genesis one twenty eight. God commands the man and the woman to be fruitful and multiply. Now, intrinsic with that ordinance is the understanding that God has foreordained the manner in which that ordinance is to be carried out. God would not give an ordinance a command to be fruitful and multiply had he not already foreordained the manner in which that was going to happen. Okay. That takes us to Genesis. That takes us from Genesis 128 to Genesis chapter four, verse one. This is the text where we see the first account of that command to be fruitful and multiply being carried out. Okay. Genesis four, verse one, I'm reading from the NASB. It reads, now the man that is Adam had relations with his wife, Eve, and she conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man child with the help of, of the Lord. Mm. Eve said, I have gotten a man child with the help of the Lord. That's Genesis four, verse one. Now consider this in Genesis four, one, that we have several firsts occurring in this verse. Genesis four, one, we have the institution of marriage and that it is a covenantal union between a man and one woman. So we have the, the uh, reinforcement of the marriage covenant that God ordained earlier in the book of Genesis in chapter two. We also have the first account of sexual relations between two human beings. Thirdly, we have that God ordained that that sexual relations occur only between a husband and a wife. Adam and Eve are already married when God gives them this command. Okay. To be fruitful and multiply. They're already married. Then, Next, it is within the marriage relationship that children are to be conceived. 
Now, this is God's ideal. This isn't Daryl talking. Mm. This is God's ideal. Then lastly, in Genesis 4.1, we see that human life begins at conception, not at birth. Now, I'm going to come back to that. But I just want to point out that we have all of those firsts occurring in that one verse in Genesis 4, verse 1. Now, what I don't want us to miss here, verse, that in Genesis 4.1, what does Eve say there? Eve was very explicit in declaring that she had conceived and given birth to Cain with the help of the Lord. Mm. With the help of the Lord. So not only does scripture clearly establish that human life begins at conception, but that conception is not accomplished in a vacuum. And what I mean by that is to say that human life by definition is not simply a matter of biological or or physiological factors and influences. What Eve said in Genesis 4.1 unambiguously declares that God and not human beings is the creator of life. Yes. Now that should destroy any notion that mankind is autonomous in creating life. To your point earlier about the child being a separate body. A, the child right. is a separate entity from the mother. mother. Right. But what do we hear? And I say this with all due respect. It's almost as if women, especially who are pro-abortion, boast, brag. They're proud of the fact as if they control that they're not just the they're not just controlling the life process of the unborn fetus as they refer to it, but that they're the ones who initiate it. They're the genesis of it. They're the very right. cause of it. Right, right. They, they, the mantra is my body, my choice. My body, my choice. Right. But with all this respect, though, no, you're wrong. That's absolutely correct. You're wrong. Eve said, I have conceived and giving birth with the help of the Lord, which intrinsically says what? That without God, woman, you would not be able to conceive. Yeah. Without him, that would not even be a possibility. Okay. What is first Timothy? Let's look at first Timothy six thirteen real quick and see what that says about sort of reiterating and reinforcing what Eve said in Genesis 4.1. First Timothy 6.13, Timothy is charging, I'm sorry, this is the Apostle Paul talking to Timothy. Paul says to Timothy in First Timothy 6.13, I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things. Mm-hmm. Sorry, young lady. It's not you who gives life to that child. It's God who gives life to that child. Consider again in uh, John chapter one, verses one through three. Let's look at John chapter one, verses one through three here for a second. Again, we're trying to establish where life really begins and who is behind that in John chapter one, verses one through three, it reads in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through him. Now, verse, as I understand it, all things means all things. It means all things. All things came into being through him, and apart mm -hmm. from him, nothing came into being that has come into being. Mm -hmm. Nothing. Nothing came into being that has come into being. Now, that includes that pregnancy. That pregnancy came into being because God caused it to come into being. All right? Again, I want to stay in John and go to John 15, verse 5, where Jesus himself says, for apart from me, you can do nothing. You can do nothing. Now, we I like to pronounce that phonetically to give it some emphasis. Right. Jesus is saying, apart from me, you can do no, no thing. thing. Right. No thing. So it is God who creates life. It is God who gives uh, the breath of life to that child that is conceived in the womb. It is yeah. God who allows the womb to conceive of that child and for that mm -hmm. child to grow into uh, the boy or girl. And yes, there are only two sexes, <laughs> the male or female that God originally created them to be. Mm-hmm. Now, what I want to do here, Verge, I want to go and look through Scripture and see how God, in His Word, He relates creation to Himself, creation of life to Himself. So we're talking about God creating life. And I want to just go through some Scriptures real quick. But we see the phrase, God created, seven times. Seven mm. times in Scripture, the phrase, God created, appears. Four of those times is specific to God creating man. Mm -hmm. Okay. Genesis 1:27. God created man in his own image. In yes. the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Genesis 5, verses 1 and 2. This is the book of the generations of Adam. In the day when God created man. So we see that phrase again. We've seen it twice now. God created man. In Genesis 1, God created man in Genesis 5. In Deuteronomy 4, verse 32, Indeed, ask now concerning the former days which were before you, since the day that God created man on the earth. So there's the phrase again in Deuteronomy 4. Again, it appears in Malachi chapter 2, verse 10. Do we not all have one father? Has not one God created us? So you see, Virg, when it comes to this matter of abortion, a fundamental problem we have, and this is the reason I'm, I want to go through those verses there just for a second to reiterate how it is God who creates us. God creates life. The problem we have is that we define life as birth. Right. We define life as birth. Well, God doesn't define life in those terms. No, he doesn't. In God's economy, life begins in the mind of God. <laughs> if you want to get theological about it, life begins in the mind of life begins even before conception. Life begins in the mind of God. An example is Jeremiah 1 5. God says to Jeremiah, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Mm. And before you were born, I consecrated you. Right. Before means before. 
<laughs> the Greek, the Greek for that the is Greek before. Greek word is, is before. <laughs> In this case, the Hebrew word is before. Right, right, right. Jeremiah wants that. What God says to Jeremiah applies to every last person listening to this. Absolutely, absolutely. Before. Before you were formed in the womb, God knew you. God knew you. Absolutely. I, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at Psalm 139 and 13, uh, where, where David says, For you, God, formed my inner parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Now, Virgil, as I listened to you read that text, I saw the pronoun you. Mm-hmm. I heard the pronoun you used three times. Mm-hmm. Now, Correct me if I'm wrong, but that pronoun is not referring to the mother. No, it is not. It's referring to God. Read that again, verse, please. Psalmist David, yeah, Psalm 139, verse 13. I'm reading from the ESV. It says, for you formed my inner parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. So three times the personal pronoun you Mm-hmm. appears referring to God referring to God mm-hmm. referring to God so again we def- we tend to define life as birth but not God doesn't define life that way mm. he doesn't define life in those terms and I want to give several again is it's for the sake of the topic that we're talking about we have to be thorough in our treatment of this if we're going to deal with this in a way that honors God so I want to go through several scriptures quickly that underscore the fact that God defines life not at birth, but even before that to where it encompasses conception as well as birth. There is no line of demarcation as far as God is is concerned. Now just listen to these texts. I'm not going to read each one thoroughly. I just want you to listen closely and see how each of these texts contain the, the phrase conceived and bore, conceived and bore repeatedly. Genesis 4.1, now the man had relations with his wife Eve, and she conceived and gave birth. Genesis 4.17, Cain had relations with his wife, and she conceived and gave birth to Enoch. Genesis 21.2, so Sarah conceived and bore a son to Abraham. Genesis 29.32, Leah conceived and bore a son. Genesis 29, 33. Then she, that is Leah, conceived again and bore a son. Genesis 29, 34. She, that is Leah, conceived again and bore a son. Genesis 29, 35. And she, Leah, conceived again and bore a son. Genesis 30, verse 5. Bilhah conceived and bore Jacob a son. Genesis 30, verse 7. Rachel's maid, Bilhah, conceived again and bore Jacob, a second son. Genesis 30, verse 17. God gave heed to Leah, and she conceived and bore Jacob, a fifth son. Genesis 30, verse 19. Leah conceived again and bore a sixth son to Jacob. Genesis 30, verses 22 and 23. Then God remembered Rachel, and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. It is God, again, who creates. It is God who enables a woman to conceive or not to be able to conceive. Mm. It says that God remembered Rachel and God gave heed to her and opened her womb. So she conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. 
Genesis 38, verses 2 and 3, Judah saw there a daughter of a certain Canaanite woman whose name was Shua, and he took her and went into her. So she conceived and bore a son and named him Ur. Genesis 38, 4, then she, that is Shua, conceived again and bore a son named him Onan. Exodus 2, verses 1 and 2. Now a man from the house of Levi went and married a daughter of Levi. The woman conceived and bore a son. There are several other examples I could cite, but for the sake of time, we won't do that. The point I was trying to make here is that biblically speaking, God defines life in terms of both conception and birth, not merely birth. Not merely birth. Mm. This is why abortion advocates work so hard to draw a line between conception and birth. Right. And that's what's so problematic with the the logic of those who advocate for the murder of unborn children. They use secular language in the effort to make a moral argument. Right. Namely, that the child who is conceived is not a person unless and until it is completely outside the womb. Right. As such, murdering the child while still in the womb mm-hmm. is not an immoral act. So if they can keep the child in the womb, it's not immoral. Right. This is why it's important for us as Christians to make a distinction between how the world defines life and mm-hmm. how God defines it. God defines it in terms of conception and birth. Absolutely. Not just birth. You see, that's very important. That's why I went through all those scriptures. It's very important to see this as God sees it Mm -hmm. and not as the world sees it. No, absolutely. I think that's that's an important distinction uh, to make. And and it needs to be made for the specifically for the believer so, so that they recognize and understand, I think to the point you made earlier, this is less an issue of biology. This is less of an issue of policy. This is less of an issue of politics. This is more of an issue of, this is a theological issue Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and we need to anchor it in our understanding of who God is and what he says we are. Mm -hmm. Exactly right. And, you know, what's ironic, I think about, the concern that pro-abortionists have about abortion not being a matter of morality. I think that's borne out in the scriptures, especially in Romans one. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm going to turn, yeah, I'm going to turn to Romans one real quick because I think, you know, as, as much as they might try to deny it, they meaning the the Mm pro-abortionists, as much as they might try to deny it, you can't, you can't deny it. As you're turning there, Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Verge. Go ahead. I, I was just going to add, as you're turning there, man, I, I, what you are about to read, I know exactly where you're going. What you're about mm-hmm. to read is imperative to understand because all of these folks who are denying the Imago Dei, all of these folks who are denying that that that, that which is born in the womb is, is the creation of God, uh, will have to answer to that sovereign God on the day of their judgment. They're going to have to answer to why they determined that they knew better than God did about what was happening in the womb. That's why the the, the, the argument you're making, the points that you're that, that you're reiterating are so critical. Amen. Absolutely. And I want to mention for those of you who 
listen to the, we'll listen to this episode in the episode notes to Virgil's point that he just made that these people are going to have to give an account to God one day in the episode notes, you're going to see a link to a YouTube video that will show people who supported the repeal of this amendment, literally celebrating Mm -hmm. in the streets of Ireland Mm -hmm. when the results of the referendum were announced, Mm -hmm. they were celebrating having the legal right now to murder unborn children. Yeah. But let's go to Romans one to your point earlier, Verge about them having to give an account. They can deny this all they want to themselves, but there is no denying it because they know in their hearts. Romans 1 verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and righteousness. And that's exactly what's happening around this Mm -hmm. abortion issue. People who support the murder of unborn children are suppressing the truth. Mm. Verse 19, because that which is known about God is evident within them for God made it evident to them. God made it evident to you. You know the truth. You know what the truth is about this issue. Verse 20, for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, having been understood through what has been made so that they are without excuse. They're without excuse. Verse 28 of Romans 1, and just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God any longer, God gave them over to a depraved mind to do those things which are not proper. Yeah. And that's what I saw. And that's what you'll see when you Mm -hmm. click on that YouTube video. Yeah. You'll see a depraved mind Mm -hmm. celebrating Mm -hmm. being able to murder unborn children. Man, you, you just unpacked the very first part of a very important conversation that we need to have about this issue. And it needs to be unpacked in the very methodical, very, very direct, very line upon line manner in which it is, because one of the reasons why the referendum was able to be repealed was because those who claimed to know Christ did not uphold that banner in a way that that was effective, that the line of reasoning, the line of argumentation, uh, their thought process about this was was not in the place that it needed to be for a long period of time. In fact, you you read it from the very beginning. You had someone who claimed to hold a a, a position of, of 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 you know religion and what have you, who had really undermined it with everything else they were choosing to do only to at this last point decide they were going to take a stand that they were going to draw the moral line in the sand so to speak continuing on from there man what 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 where do you where do you go next with that you've made the case up front brother that that what we're looking at is is an issue of the imago day an issue of and and a need for our understanding to be that this is not something you did this is not something that the woman did that's a, that that is that is her body with 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 which she can choose to do what she desires but that what they're doing is destroying the imago day destroying that which god ordained and god created that's that's the case that you've laid for everybody thus far man where where do, where do we go from here well you know i think we, where we go from here again is is we have to keep looking at what does god say about this mm-hmm. I think the reason you can have referendums overturned like this is because we have lost 
any sensitivity, any appreciation whatsoever for what thus saith the Lord. Mm-hmm. Th- that, that's why we're talking about this, mm-hmm. because as a society, as a world, with respect to the abortion issue, we have we have taken this out of the word of God and incorporated it into a constitution, which makes it political. Right. Okay. So you've taken what is a theological issue, made it political as such. You feel like you can celebrate the destruction of unborn children Mm -hmm. who possess a soul. Not just flesh and blood. They possess a soul. They possess that soul because God has given them life. Mm -hmm. God has given that unborn child life. And only a depraved mind is what Paul's talking about in Romans 1. Only a depraved mind can celebrate, dance, party, cry Mm -hmm. tears of joy, and having legalized the murder of unborn children Mm -hmm. despite the fact that as Paul noted, they fully understand the moral ramifications of such an act. They understand right. that in their heart, because as right. we just read, God has placed that conviction in them. They mm. are only denying. It. Yeah. I, one, of, one of the things, man, that, that, that you and I've said from the outset of this broadcast, and I think it's important, this podcast, and that's important to make, to, to, to amplify. And that is during the entire time that we've, that we've talked, we've used the word murder. Mm-hmm. And, and the reality is that in, in most of our, um, you know, our, even our, our pro-life circles, people are afraid to use that terminology. Oh, yeah. People are afraid to say that, that we're, what we're talking about is the murder yeah. of the unborn. And uh, that that's been something, again, I, I told you when, when we teed this up, the thing that jarred me was seeing, uh, my, my friend Tony Miano with a sign that said uh, babies are murdered here that mm-hmm. that was that was jarring I thought mm-hmm. wow you know he, he didn't use graphic imagery not that I'm, I'm opposed to that I think that that there's a place and a space for that but he just had words on a sign mm-hmm. that said babies are murdered here and mm-hmm. and it was it was gripping it was gripping and here's a, the, the other thing that I love man is you've made a theological case uh, for this issue that, you know, it, it, for those who want to appeal to science, there, there's nothing that helps you there either. Right. Right. There's, right. There's, there's, there's no help that you're going to find if, well, I don't believe that, that Bible, I, I'm, I'm a, I'm a science guy. I'm a science girl. That, that's not going to, the science behind this isn't going to help you either, mm-hmm. but our natural inclination, even as believers, is to go and appeal to the science first. Right. Which is why right. I'm so glad what you've just spent the time doing is unpacking the theological ramifications, the theological foundation that we should have regarding this issue. Listen, there is no science apart from God's creation. <laughs> apart right. from God creating, there is nothing for science to study. Right. Okay, I'm not a big bang theorist. I'm mm-hmm. a creationist. Mm-hmm. And I'm a literal seven day creationist. Oh, see, here you go. Here you go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a literal 
seven day, twenty four hour day creationist. Here, here, here you go. Now that's that's going to be the line that everybody's like, okay, I'm gonna have to turn, I'm gonna have to turn him off now. That that's that there just went half of the, half of our uh, our <laughs> listenership right there, brother. Thanks, well, there, thanks there for goes, that. There goes one of our listeners. <laughs> one of our two listeners. <laughs> oh man, I love but, it. But, I love it. I mean, listen. Everything in life is theological first for the yes, Christian, yes. anyway. Yes. yes. For the Christian, everything is theological first mm-hmm. and foremost. You filter all of life. This is where we talk about worldview, right, Verge? Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. what we mean by the word worldview. You filter everything in this world through the filter of God's word first Amen. and foremost. And that's what we're doing about this issue here. You know, I think of a text, uh, verse like Ephesians 5:11. Paul writes this. He says, do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. Yes. Now, I want to say something to my Kumbaya Christians out there who think Christians are only supposed to talk about love, 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 mercy, 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 forgiveness, 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 grace, 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 blah, blah, blah. Right. To your point about using the word murder. Mm-hmm. Murder is the right biblical word. Yes. Okay. You and, and I'm gonna I'm gonna upset some folks with this one here too, Virg. You ready? I'm ready, bro. You only only something that or someone that has been created in the image of God can be murdered. That's good. You can't murder an animal. Mm-mm. Okay. You can kill an animal. Mm-hmm. But you can't murder an animal. Mm. Okay. You can only murder that which has been created in the image of God. Only someone who bears the image of God can be murdered. Right. Okay. You can kill someone. Yes. But it's murder. Mm-hmm. I don't care if it's self-defense. I, I, I don't care what the situation is. When you're dealing with another image bearer of God that is killed, it's murder. Okay. The, mor- the moral implications are in place at the point of which we're 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 taking out the the, the life of an image bearer of image God. Bearer of God. Correct. Exactly. That's the context, not the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Okay. Not the circumstances. But but that's why. It's, it's just incredible how the poor pro-abortionists fight so hard to convince you that abortion is not a moral issue mm-hmm. because they know in their heart that there is an objective standard of morality and we're violating that standard. They know it. Mm-hmm. They know they are by violating that standard. So as Paul says, only a depraved mind It is the depraved mind that can go out in the streets and celebrate being able to legally kill and murder, that is, murder Mm -hmm. unborn children as if being able to do so by law makes it moral. Mm -hmm. But as we know, Verge, all too well, there have been immoral laws over the course of human history. Mm -hmm. So just because something is a law doesn't make it morally right. 
unfortunately, far too many people believe that simply because it's legal, that that means it's moral. Right. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, listen, slavery was legal at one point. Absolutely. Absolutely. Why is it not legal now? Right, right. People come to people come to a clear understanding of its immorality, and the that way was that immoral. They, it was immoral, and the way that they justified it, they used the same arguments with regard to slavery that they do with abortion. Uh, they, they, in an effort to allow for the, the 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 maltreatment of another human being in the, creating the image of God, you've got to you've got to bring up the argument, or you have to make the argument that they aren't really human beings creating right. the image of God. That's where they have to start. Absolutely. That's where they have to start. That is where they have to start to deconstruct the personhood argument. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They have to start there. Which is interesting to me that in starting that the person has not been creating the image of God, you would think they would argue that there is no God. Right. But they don't argue that. Mm -mm. They argue that the child is not created in the image of God. They don't argue that there's no God. I just find that interesting. Right. You know, I look at a text verse like Psalm 127, verse 3. Psalm 127, verse 3, where the psalmist writes this, says that the fruit of the womb is a reward. Amen. Not the fruit of the birth canal. (laughs) Not the fruit of the cesarean section. Mm -hmm. It says the fruit of the womb. So a right understanding of that prepositional phrase of the womb is that God views that which ultimately proceeds from the womb as already being fruit while it's in the womb still. Right. Of the womb, the fruit of the womb. He didn't say the fruit from the womb. He said of the womb. Okay, so even while the child is still in the womb, God defines it as fruit. He views it as fruit. Absolutely. So again, abortion is theological before it is biological. Life begins in the mind of God. Yes. Every person that has ever been conceived, not just born, but conceived, was conceived bearing the image of God. Bearing the image of God. Mm. Even before you can see anything on a sonogram. That conceived child bears the image of God. I want to read something, Verge, from from, uh, John MacArthur, if I can find my notes here real quick. Mm -hmm. I think MacArthur makes a great point in his book, uh, Biblical Doctrine, A Systematic Summary of Biblical Truth. Uh, If you've got that book, I'm reading on page 434. This is what MacArthur writes with respect to personhood. This is a chapter he did on personhood. MacArthur writes this, quote, according to the Bible, all human beings are persons who possess dignity because they are made in God's image. This includes the very young, the very old, and everyone in the middle. Yet not, yet not all associate human personhood with human biological life. Mm-hmm. Some speculate that personhood begins after conception, but before birth, perhaps with the development of brain waves or the viability of the fetus. Mm. 
Personhood is not a development. Now listen to this. <laughs> MacArthur says personhood is not a development. It is an event. It occurs at conception. Yes. Att attempts to separate personhood from biological human life are unscientific, arbitrary, and dangerous. Now let me pause there. I have more to read from MacArthur, but let me pause there. What he's talking about goes back to an earlier point that I tried to make about how how pro-abortionists try to create a line of demarcation where they will attribute personhood after birth, but pre-birth, they argue that it's not a person. Mm -hmm. They say that arbitrarily, which is the point MacArthur is making here. He said attempts to separate personhood from biological human life are unscientific, arbitrary, and dangerous. Yes. Now, this is an excellent point MacArthur makes here. He says, all that physically constitutes a person is made immediately at conception. Yes, it is. Now, I'm not, I'm not done yet with that quote, but the question arises, what needs to be added to conception before a person, a woman acknowledges that she's pregnant? What, what needs to be added? to the fact that she is pregnant. The conception has occurred, which yeah. is by, which is death, which is pregnancy by definition. Right. Right. That's it. That's it. No, that's it. That's it. That's a, it. A, a, a one cell. It's a, it's a zygote. The, the, once, once the, once the egg is fertilized, you are indeed pregnant. That is indeed a human life. Exactly right. There's, there's nothing to be added. No. MacArthur goes, that's MacArthur's point here. He says all that physically constitutes a person mm -hmm. is made immediately at conception. Absolutely. He goes on to say, biological human life means that personhood exists. A human life is a person. Separating human life from personhood has resulted in the killing of persons in the womb through abortion and has even led to the murder of babies after birth, mm -hmm. which is post-abortion, partial birth abortion. Okay. Now I want to say a word to our pro-choice folks out there mm. who call themselves pro-choice. You have, you have a choice. You do have a choice, but it's not the choice you think. <laughs> the choice you have, it's the same choice that Joshua urged the Israelites to make in Joshua chapter 24. Mm. This is the choice you have. The choice you have, my pro-abortion, my pro-murder, brother or sister, is to choose for yourself this day whom mm. you will serve. That's good. You will either serve yourself as God. Mm-hmm. Or you will serve the God who gave you life. Amen. That's the choice you have. Mm -hmm. So yeah, in that regard, I'm pro-choice too. I'm pro-choice as well. <laughs> That's the choice you have though. Absolutely. You have the choice of which God you're going to serve. Mm -hmm. The only thing remaining is what decision you're going to make. Mm -hmm. That's the only decision you have. That's your choice right there. Which God are you going to serve? Mm. Are you going to serve yourself 
Are you going to serve the God who breathed life into you in the same way he breathes life into every unborn creature he creates? Amen, brother. That's a mouthful. That's the choice you have. Mm -hmm. The only thing left is what decision are you going to make? Absolutely. Absolutely. And recognize that you are going to have to answer to a holy God for any choice that results in the death of an image bearer of his. Man. I don't, I, I don't even know what to say at this point. Mm-hmm. This, this issue of the murder of unborn children, the vast majority of which the mm-hmm. overwhelming majority of which are murdered because of convenience. Absolutely. With the with full with full knowledge, I can attest to that <clears throat> at the abortion clinic. These women aren't victims as they're painted out to be. The vast majority of them know exactly what they're doing, know exactly why they're there, have premeditated the decision. I'm not saying that there that there isn't coercion. I've seen that. Uh, I, I'm not saying that there aren't uh, there there aren't extenuating circumstances. I've, I've I've seen that and witnessed that. But more times than not, even when those circumstances are met with 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 solutions, with resources, I've I've said to many a young lady, I, you know, uh, brother. In fact, I, I don't know if you've seen it, uh, uh, the, the video uh, that I that I had of, of a young lady that I, I was I was trying to tell I her did. father. I did. Her father brought her to the wow. abortion clinic, and uh, and he, you know, he was unwilling to to take care of his grandchild that was in the womb. He was willing to bring his daughter to a place where she would murder their grandchild. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I, you know, I, I appealed to them on every, on every level I could uh, and said, listen, if, if you need money, if you need a place to stay, if you need, if someone's hurting you, if so, you name the, 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 the circumstance that might have someone placed there. I, I had an ability through, again, a, a, a wonderful network of people and resources to meet the needs so that, 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 so that abortion was not the option that was necessary. And, and that, was, that was irrelevant. You know, initially the young lady said, nope, I've, I've got to do this. I, I hear what you're saying. I have got to do this. And, and fortunately, you know, the, the God, by his grace, would, would, would expose her heart and, and have her think about what what I shared, I even I even appealed to her on the issue of her ethnicity. I said, every time, every time you hear someone say Black Lives Matter, recognize that on this day, this life in your womb did not matter to you enough for you to make the right decision. Wow. You know, I, I'm 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 pulling out. At that point, I've got, man, I've got 30 seconds, 45 seconds, maybe two minutes tops. To mm-hmm. pull out all all the stops, man, and I'm 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 right there trying to trying to do do it, Daryl. I've I've told young ladies there, listen, we're not here to condemn you. We're here because God loved you enough to wake us up out of bed to be here in front of you to plead for the life of your child. Mm-hmm. That's the reason we're here, with the hope that that you'll turn from this wicked, evil thing that you're about to do, uh, and to choose life for your child. And for yourself, life eternal, and then we proclaim the gospel. Mm-hmm. Wow, man! Well, God bless you, Verge. Wow, that's all I can say, man. Just God bless you for what you've been doing all these years. Um, 
you know, I think you, I think you bring up a point there, you know, and I, I would argue that, you know, so we talked about how abortion is theological. I think a, a level beneath that is that I would say abortion, there's sort of a, an eschatological aspect to this uh, issue as well, because when you look at uh, Mark chapter 10, come on, where, where Jesus uses the uh, analogy of children in uh and describing the kingdom of God. Mm-hmm. So Mark chapter 10, what does he say here in verse 13? He says this. This is Jesus speaking. He says, and, and they were bringing children to him so that he might touch them. But the disciples rebuked them. But when Jesus saw this, he was indignant and said to them, permit the children to come to me. Do not hinder them. Yes. For the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Amen. The kingdom of God, Jesus mm-hmm. himself, described in terms of children. So that's what I mean when I say there's an eschatological dimension that's to good. this issue. That's good. In that Jesus describes, he compares the kingdom of God to children coming up to him. And ultimately, okay, ultimately, when when a child is conceived, that child ultimately the purpose is for that child to be born to know Christ. Absolutely. To know Christ. So in that regard, there is no such thing as an unplanned pregnancy. Come on. This is where the sovereignty of God comes in. Absolutely. There are no there are no accidents or coincidences. Mm-mm. I don't care what circumstances the woman gets pregnant. Mm. Now, you may not have intended to get pregnant, but God intended for you to get pregnant. Mm-hmm. God, and, and let me clarify something here. God is sovereign even over our sin. Mm-hmm. Okay? It's not that he, uh, uh, what word should I use here? He, he allows it for his purposes. Mm-hmm. So even our even in our sin, God is using that to glorify Himself. So even a as as David uh, confessed in sin that my mother conceived me. Mm-hmm. It's not that she conceived him out of wedlock. That wasn't the point. We're talking about the sin nature that mm-hmm. was uh, imparted to him through that conception, which we all experience that. But to the extent that a woman is pregnant out of some sinful act. Uh, that's not to say that God has nothing to do with that, that right. he would never see that. That's, that's the thing about, uh, about a lot of abortions. We, we sort of, we, we index the, the circumstances by which the pregnancy occurs. So we assuage our conscience by saying, well, God would never have a child come into the world because I was raped or God would never have a child to come into a world who's not in perfect health or God would never have a child come into the world and I'm not married and I can't afford it. And I can't uh, provide for it. Like I quote unquote would like to God is sovereign because he, again, this is why we started this conversation at the beginning with establishing that God is the giver of life, not human beings. So it doesn't matter to God, the situation or circumstances. He was sovereign mm-hmm. over that situation. Absolutely. Absolutely. He was He's sovereign over every situation. 
over every, every situ- over every situation and then add add to that the, the the woman is actually again usurping the authority of god as as if she cares one she she what she's doing is contrary to the gospel right the the gospel is god the son jesus mm-hmm. christ giving up his life for the sake of another right the woman is there in order to murder a life right. for her own convenience right so so it's, it's it's contrary to even the what the what the gospel is about and and it's done because ultimately the woman does not trust god Don't as trust sovereign god. brilliant come on able Burge. able to provide for needs mm-hmm. but she believes she is god mm-hmm. and has the ability to mm-hmm. take life Take at life. will so that she can live more conveniently. Amen. Right. Exactly. Preach verge. You know, I want to wrap up on this. Um, again, we said at the beginning, this is a very uh, serious topic. Um, and, and, and I pray that in all humility that we have treated this topic with the, with the, uh, the care uh, and the respect that it deserves with respect to uh, exalting God uh, on this issue. Uh, but I want to leave folks who may be pro-abortion, pro-murder of the unborn. With the, I want to leave you with the words of Psalm chapter 50. And, uh, and I read these words prayerfully that perhaps if you are listening to this and you are of a mind to call yourself pro-choice, I pray that you will go back after listening to this episode and meditate over these words of Psalm chapter 50 or so. Mm. I'm going to start in uh, verse 14 of Psalm 50, and I'm going to read through verse 23. The psalmist writes, offer to God a sacrifice of thanksgiving and pay your vows to the Most High. Call upon me in the day of trouble. I shall rescue you and you will honor me. But to the wicked, God says, but to the wicked, what right have you to tell me of my statutes and to take my covenant in your mouth? For you hate discipline, and you cast my words behind you. Mm. When you see a thief, you are pleased with him, and you associate with adulterers. You let your mouth loose in evil, and your tongue frames deceit. Mm. You sit and speak against your brother. You slander your own mother's son. Verse 21, and here's what I want to drive home. Verse 21 of Psalm 50. God says, these things you have done and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. Mm. God says, these things you have done and I have, and I kept silence. You thought that I was just like you. Mm. Verse 22. I'm sorry. Continuing verse 21. But God says, I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. Now, God here is using 
uh, legal terminology. So as you listen to verse, uh, the latter part of verse 21, God is prosecuting you in court. He's a prosecutor. Mm -hmm. And one thing you don't want is God prosecuting a case against you. (laughs) You don't want that. Mm -mm. God says, I will reprove you and state the case in order. So that's what a good prosecutor does. A good prosecutor takes a systematic, methodical layout of the evidence against you to make his case. And when God prosecutes you, he always gets a conviction. Because not only is God the prosecutor, Mm -hmm. he's the judge. Absolutely. This is a rhetorical argument that God is making here. Because there's nothing you can say in your own defense. Is what he's saying here in Psalm 50. He says, you thought that I was just like you, but I will reprove you and state the case in order before your eyes. I'm going to do it right in front of you. Right. He says in verse 22, now consider this, you who forget God. That's what the the voters in Ireland have done. That's what uh, people here in America with Planned Parenthood have done. Mm -hmm. That's what every pro-abortion person has done. They have forgotten God. But God says, now consider this, you who forget God, or I will tear you in pieces. Aren't these words ironic, verbs? Because especially when you talk about how a child is aborted, they're torn to pieces. Absolutely. They're torn to pieces. God says, no, or I will tear you in pieces, and there will be none to deliver you. He who offers a sacrifice of thanksgiving honors me, and to him who orders his way aright. In other words, him who obeys me, to him who obeys me, I will show the salvation of God. So I will just wrap up here, Verge, and say to anyone who may be listening, especially if there's any woman, young, old, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. If you're pregnant and you're considering aborting that child, I plead with you to trust God. Amen. Trust God who in Mm. his sovereignty is allowing that life to be created inside you. Trust the God who breathed life into that child. Mm -hmm. Trust God who has a plan for that child. Otherwise he would not have allowed the pregnancy to occur. Mm. God is sovereign despite your circumstances. That's good. He is still sovereign. God is in control. All you need do is trust him. Trust him. Trust God. Amen. Trust him. Verge, anything you want to add? Bro, I think that sums it up right there. I really do. There's nothing else left to say making a you know make making a an appeal to to who they need to place their trust in. And that's God mm-hmm. himself. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Well, again, thank you listeners for hanging in there with us. Uh, we really appreciate it. We felt again, given the subject matter that we were going to be discussing that this warranted um, an extended discourse mm-hmm. on the just mm-hmm. thinking podcast. This yep. is not the norm. No, uh, but we pray that you found this conversation edifying. And uh, we ask that you, 
pass this episode along to others you know. Absolutely. Especially others who you may find themselves in a in a situation where they're considering abortion. Uh, spend some time with them and listen to this episode with them. Mm. Uh, and um, who knows? God in his mercy may use it. Mm. Uh, Virgil, you want to close it out? Amen. Just uh, thank you again, everyone, for, for checking in to the Just Thinking Podcast. Tune in next week for another episode. Thank you for tuning in to Just Thinking, a podcast brought to you by the Bar Podcast Network. You can find all of Just Thinking episodes at www.thebarpodcast.com. Tune in next week to another edition of Just Thinking. And remember, let's think.